0: Welcome to Medicus, a student-run podcast about any and all things in the world of medicine. Follow along as we interview outstanding individuals about important topics in healthcare. Hey guys, welcome back to Medicus. My name is Rasa, and today I'm joined by Jesse Webb, who is a fourth-year medical student at Loyola Stritch School of Medicine. He is part of the Armed Forces Health Profession Scholarship Program and is here to talk to us about his journey as a medical student in the military. So, hey, Jesse, super glad to have you on, especially considering you just finished, I guess, your first round of interviews. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and your journey to medicine?
1: Yeah. Hey, Rasa. Thank you so much for having me and to the rest of the Medicus team. I'm honored to be able to talk about this. (laughs) I'm by no means an expert on this topic, but hopefully my experiences can help at least one person out there. But a little bit about me. So I am originally from Minnesota. I knew from a young age that I wanted to go into medicine. I had an uncle who was a physician and I really looked up to him and wanted to combine being able to serve other people with my interest in biology and the human body. And I thought being able to heal people was a really cool opportunity. So followed that path. I studied biology in undergrad and then ultimately ended up at Loyola, partly because of the community that we have here as students. And I've really loved my experience here. I'm in the process right now of applying to residency and I'm going into emergency medicine. So yeah, I'm happy to talk more about that
0: super cool. so what made you decide to pursue medicine through the military
1: yeah so it's kind of funny because if i were not in medicine i don't think i would have ever seen myself going into the military personally it wasn't until i received an email from an army recruiter it was around i think january of the year that i started in med school so like five or six months before received this email about the Health Professions Scholarship Program. And this program, it's available in three branches so the Army, Air Force, and Navy. And I heard from the Army, I decided, well, having a, a father as a financial planner, I was like, wow, it'd be pretty nice to go into med school without having to worry about debt in the long term, because it's very expensive, as mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> and so I had two grandpas that served in the Navy, and I didn't consider the Navy just because I didn't personally like the prospect of potentially being on a ship at sea for a long time. Fair enough. (laughs) Yeah. So I applied to both the Army and the Air Force, and I kind of just went with whichever one accepted me first. And so Mm -hmm. the whole process basically just was expedited a little faster with the Air Force in my case. So that's what I ended up. Doing So I'm in the Air Force. And then as far as like a little bit more about the program. So it exists in kind of a bunch of different health professions. So you can do this besides medical school for like dentistry, optometry, nursing school, but specifically for medical school, there's a three and a four year scholarship that exists. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And since I applied before medical school, I did the four year scholarship. So all four years of school are covered. And then that translates to once you complete your residency training, you'll owe those four years back serving active duty as a physician.
0: I see. So that makes sense. So what's the process of applying to this program? And is it competitive? You kind of mentioned that you were interviewing for it, but you had already been accepted to medical school or does it kind of come before you're accepted to medical? Like how does that whole process
2: work?
1: Yeah. So it was a months long process, but you do have to have an acceptance into school to get accepted into the program. You can apply to the scholarship before you're accepted. Like if you know you're applying to medical school to get the ball rolling earlier, but in the end, you'll have to have that acceptance to show before you're granted the scholarship. But I remember having to submit like all my transcripts, Mm -hmm. they want your MCAT score. I think I had to write a personal statement and then they do, an. they did an interview over the phone. They ask all about your like medical conditions, just because you have to have a certain level of general health to be able to serve in the military. There was one recruiter that I worked with for the air force and they walk you through the whole process step-by-step. So it's very clear as far as, you know, we need these materials these are the next steps and then there was some medical screening that i had to undergo as well and then ultimately i think i swore into the military in june and then we started orientation at stretch in end of july
0: oh really interesting okay so my brother he was in the army and you know the first process of joining a military branch is doing basic training did you also have to do that as well
1: hmm yeah so a little bit more about the commitment that you have to the military during school. So they want you when you're in medical school to just mainly focus on school, just so you can become the best physician that you can be, you know. The only requirement really is there's one active duty period of 45 days for each year that you have the scholarship. So it doesn't technically have to be each fiscal or calendar year that you do that. The first one that you'll do is your officer training or basic Mm -hmm. training, but it's since you're coming in, in the medical field as a physician, you come in as an officer. I did my training since I kind of had this whole process go right up until medical school before starting, I didn't have time to fit that in. So I did it the first summer after um, my first year of medical school. You can do it before starting school if you have time.
0: Okay, so that also makes sense. Are there any other than requirements for you? You kind of were mentioning the 45 days a year per year that you get the scholarship. So do you have to do that during the time you're in medical school? Because I mean, you know, you just finished your clinical rotations, there isn't much time for you to take basically a month and a half to go and do something for the military.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) there's not a lot of downtime in medical school. So the first one would be that office for training, which for the Air Force, it was a five week course that I went to down in Maxwell Air Force Base in Alabama. And then the second one for the Air Force is actually only a two week or technically 10 day course in aerospace medicine. And that was pretty cool. You get to learn about kind of the physiology of flying and how medicine is practiced differently based on that. And you wow. get to actually fly a plane, which is pretty cool. <laughs>
0: That's really cool. Not many medical students can say that. No.
1: But then, so the last two active duty periods, for most people, they end up doing away rotations. And so that counts as your active duty period, which outside of the military, most medical students fit that in during their fourth year of medical sure. school. Scheduling-wise, I was only able to fit in one this Mm -hmm. year. And so I have one remaining active duty period that since I wasn't able to fit that in as a second away rotation, they just do what's called a campus tour, meaning you're just at your school, but you're just put on active duty orders for that 45-day period. And for each time that you have that throughout all of medical school, those four periods, you're paid active duty pay, which is nice. And you have the benefits of being active duty military, like the healthcare. Wow. And then throughout the rest of medical school, you have a monthly stipend to to help cover housing and food and everything.
0: That's wonderful. And you said that for every year of scholarship you're given, you're required to serve. So essentially for your four years of medical school, you're required to serve four years in the military as active duty, Correct.
2: Correct. Yeah.
0: So what does that usually, I mean, I know you're not in that part of your process yet, but what does that usually entail for physicians? Does that mean they can be deployed or, you know, does that normally translate to them being on some sort of face um, where they practice medicine kind of, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So any of the things you mentioned can happen actually. So once once you finish your residency training, you'll end up going to any active duty base mm-hmm. and you'll end up serving as a physician to anybody that lives on base as well as their families and as well as vets too and their families. And that can be anywhere in the world. You're able to rank your preferences just like when you apply to the match process and everything. Sure. And they do their best to honor that, but during that time I've heard that most people get deployed one time. And honestly, where you go, it all depends on the needs of the military and what specialty you're practicing, too, shapes kind of what that looks like.
0: For sure. So, is this program competitive considering, you know, they, I'm in the MD PhD program and they obviously pay for my education and give me a stipend, and it's quite a competitive program. So, I would imagine the military program being just as competitive.
1: Yeah. I remember hearing it's pretty competitive. I'm not sure the exact statistics on like number of people that apply, but I want to say that MCAT cutoff was, I think you have to have a 500. They have that for the MCAT as well as a GPA requirement. And then if you're over a certain level, they actually don't even have the board meet to talk about you. You can automatically be accepted if you're more competitive, which is pretty cool.
0: Wow, that's really cool. So I know you said you were already accepted to medical school when you first applied. And obviously, you know, Loyola is the school that you're attending. But is every medical school able to be part of this program? Or is it like only MD, both MD and DO? Some particular schools can't be part of this program? What's kind of the deal?
1: Yeah, so it's pretty nice. It, I think it applies to any accredited MD or DO school in the U.S. The Air Force is a little more DO friendly, I think, than the other branches. But it applies to any school regardless of the cost of tuition, too. So you can go to the most expensive medical school in the country, still entirely paid for, which is awesome.
0: Wow, that's really great. So getting into the second part of your training, which is residency, I know that you had just interviewed through the military, right, for residencies. And right before we started recording, you were telling me that now you have to go through civilian match or the civilian application process. So can you walk me through this whole residency application process for you?
1: Yeah, it's it's a very confusing process. So (laughs) I'll do my best. But so when you apply to the military match, the military match happens a couple months earlier than the civilian match, which occurs in March each year. Uh, The military match happens in December. And so as far as the timeline of things, you're still working on your application materials and all of that has to be submitted around the same time, which is end of December. Mm -hmm. However, the interviewing at programs happens a lot earlier. So I also had to interview at the military programs before the end of September, whereas interviews for civilian programs are usually start in October.
0: Okay, so the military interviews, can you describe kind of what programs those are and what the difference between, I guess, the two different types of programs are?
1: Yeah, so when you're applying for the military match, For emergency medicine, in my case, through the Air Force, there are five total active duty programs. So that means when you're in residency, you'll be on active duty. And you're technically not accruing more years of service that you'll owe after residency if you do active duty. And then throughout your residency, you'll have those benefits again of higher pay than civilian counterparts in residency and the benefits with healthcare and everything. Now, depending on the specialty you're applying to, as well as the branch, the number of applicants that they allow to go into each specialty varies. And it changes mm-hmm. year to year too, just depending on the predicted needs for the military. And so they do let some people do their residency training at civilian programs And there's kind of two different flavors of it on budgeting beyond what I (laughs) understand. But essentially, there's civilian-sponsored and civilian-deferred. If they let you do civilian-sponsored residency, and then you can go through the regular match, train at any program in the country, just like anybody else, military is sponsoring you. So they're paying you the same rate that you would be paid if you were active duty. However, you're then going to accrue another year for year of residency. Say you did a three-year residency, that adds three years onto your commitment. So you'd have the four years from medical school plus three of residency. So Mm you don't But then if you do civilian deferred, that's kind of like a status where you're separated from the military during that time. Okay. paid by the hospital just like everybody else in the country that's doing residency. So you don't end up accruing more time in that case if you do civilian deferred. And so you do your civilian residency training and then come back as active duty once you're done with residency and then just all oh, your 4 years of service from medical school that they paid for.
0: All right. So, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit complicated, but I think it all makes sense. You mentioned, you know, you could be active duty, but to clarify, that doesn't mean that during the time you're in residency, you're paying back your medical school years, right? Like if you did the four years and you did a four-year residence, you still have to do four years after when you're in attending.
1: That is correct. Yeah. Okay.
0: Just wanted to clarify. So you mentioned that there are some differences based on the specialty that you go to. Does the military have, I guess, preferred specialties? Will they allow you to go into any specialty? Kind of what is the deal with that?
1: That is a great question. And definitely something that is important that you should consider before applying to the scholarship, because I didn't really think about that personally. And Mm -hmm. then I found out once I was in this program, generally speaking, you can do pretty much any specialty, kind of all the main mm-hmm. specialties that you think about. They just don't have any combined residency programs available. Very occasionally, they'll let people do that in civilian training. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking things, you know, like med peds.
2: Oh, you know, like, sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Like internal medicine, pediatrics. That was something that I was considering earlier on in medical school. However, that is something that they usually don't allow as well as um, pm r is another one that comes to mind. But generally speaking, most specialties exist, even pediatrics, which some people are surprised by. Yeah, <laughs> But you are or you will eventually be on a base and then you're serving everyone in the military and their families. So maybe right. kids that need to be seen. So
0: that does make logical sense. I am surprised to hear that maybe they're not as they they will allow you to explore basically every specialty and not really have a preference towards maybe things like, you know, emergency medicine, which obviously is very important, in, you know, combat situations or perhaps orthopedics because you got to fix a leg. So that's interesting to hear that they still like allow you some sort of path and don't have perhaps like direct control over your specialty. Here's a question no one likes to think about. What happens if you don't match either the military or civilian?
1: Hmm. That is a great question (laughs) and important to consider. So I'm not sure if it works the exact same in the Army and the Navy as it does Mm -hmm. the force. But so when I, like I just finished applying and submitting all my application materials, I had to fill out a form that was, basically stating my preferences if I don't match what kind of PGY1 or postgraduate year one training I want to attend so if you don't match you then would do a prelim year
2: okay which would
1: be in internal medicine or general surgery or a transitional year and so say you don't match to the military they let you match in the civilian match. But unfortunately, you know that just doesn't pan out for you. You would then go ahead and fill in into one of those either prelim years or transitional years, and then you can reapply again the next year. If you don't happen to match that second time, the next year you reapply, then you do what's called a GMO or general medical officer tour. and that's a two-year responsibility. So you had your intern year, of training whether mm-hmm. was in medicine or surgery or transitional year. And then during that two year period, you, it's not really uniform. What you do, you kind of just go wherever they need, need you. you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that can be in kind of like an urgent care setting. You could be on a base treating, Flying crews, it really varies what you could end up doing. And then after that two year GMO tour, you could come back and reapply again for your specialty. And some people actually end up, if they do this program and there's a specialty that the military doesn't offer that they want Mm -hmm. to, some people actually end up doing two GMO tours. So they, and that's active duty. So they serve back their four year and then they can separate from the military and then in the civilian world try and match for residency
0: yeah that's
1: it's not an ideal route but it is an option
0: it is an option I do wonder how difficult it would be if you know you're essentially probably at that point five years out of medical school um I do know it's probably more difficult for people reapplying to get in just because everyone kind of wants the fresh new graduates usually but that is an option and good to know that the military considers all of these things when handing out these scholarships. So what are some advantages and disadvantages of the Armed Forces Health Profession Scholarship Program, at least in your opinion?
1: I think as far as advantages, the biggest ones would be obviously the financial benefits. I don't think I mentioned earlier, but if you do a three or four year scholarship, you also get a sign-on bonus, which is pretty nice. So that, in addition to the stipend. And active duty pay um, when you have those periods throughout school is really nice. Also, just there's a lot of really cool opportunities that you'll end up having in medicine that outside of the military you wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So, that's definitely something to consider. And then just being able to serve the people that serve our country. Yeah. Is a unique opportunity. And that's part of what drew me to this as well. As far as disadvantages, we kind of talked about sometimes there are certain specialties that may not be available and then the number of spots that they allow for each specialty varies year to year. So Mm -hmm. some specialties are just more competitive in the military than they are outside of the military. So that can, depending on what you go into, that can be a disadvantage. I would caution people... Don't go into this program if you're solely doing it for the financial reasons, because in the research that I did before school, I looked into kind of like long-term, if you compare this route versus not doing this scholarship at all, monetarily in the end, it's kind of break even. So it's definitely something you want to think about.
0: Because from what I've heard, as a military physician, you are generally paid less than if you were just... A civilian physician, correct? But you have those added benefits,
1: of course. Exactly. So during residency, if you're training active duty for residency, you'll make more for those three mm-hmm. or five years. But then once you're in attending, the pay is a lot lower than outside of the military.
0: Which is why probably financially becomes kind of a wash in terms of paying back your loans this way, or you know having the scholarship. So what advice can you offer then to pre-medical students considering military medicine other than what, you know, you've shared with us already?
1: Yeah. So one thing I wish I knew before I applied, if you decide to go down this route, the recruiters are very knowledgeable, but they definitely want to recruit you. So you're going to get biased
0: in the name of the title of their job. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So I didn't find out about this group until I was already in medical school and so already in the scholarship as well. But there's a Facebook group for this scholarship program, and people all along the process medical students, residents, attendings are all part of this group. And it's a great resource to be able to ask questions and see other questions that other people have asked. I've seen a lot of perspective. Applicants for the scholarship program come in there too. So there's one specifically for the Air Force. And then there's a general just Armed Forces, all three branches, HPSP group. So I would definitely recommend trying to join one of those just to ask questions and learn more about the program before committing to it. And then besides the recruiters, reach out to anybody either in that those Facebook groups, Or anyone else that you know of that has gone down this path i'm happy to provide my email address as well if anyone has any questions
0: yeah that'd be great we'll put it in the show notes
1: okay awesome i know personally like just reaching out to people that have gone down this road before me has probably been the most helpful yeah process just because from the outside it it's very complicated (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, it was definitely. So something that you mentioned earlier on in the interview was that, you know, you can do a three or four year scholarship and you did the four year because, you know, it was before starting medical school. But it sounds like you could also apply for this while you're already in medical school. Do you have any words of wisdom for students in um, their preclinical years of medical school who are either part of these programs already or considering being part of these programs?
1: Yeah, so that's that's correct that you can sign on in your first year of medical school. So if you hadn't heard of this, it's definitely something that you would want to apply early on in the beginning of your first year of medical school in the fall, just because it can take several months to get mm-hmm. the rolling. And you want to make sure that Once you get approved for the scholarship that happens before the start of your second year. So the earlier you can do this, the better. I think they recommend if you're applying for the four year scholarship before medical school to start applying in the fall before. So that's, I think around the time that you are interviewing and everything for medical schools. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you don't have an acceptance, if you start the process early for applying for this scholarship, that'll definitely benefit you. It was for me waiting until January, February to start applying, I didn't, you know, get accepted until right up before school started.
0: Yeah. So something else to, you know, consider is that sometimes what happens is people perhaps take a research here, right? So tack on an extra year to their medical training. Is this something you could do? if you're part of the scholarship program, and how would that function?
1: Well, it's funny because I actually was thinking, Stritch has the combined MD-MPH program. I was thinking about that before medical school. And I asked my recruiter if I could do that. And he didn't know the answer to that question.
0: Oh, that's hilarious.
1: (laughs) He was like, I don't think so. And so I just kind of didn't pursue it. So I'm not sure. I think it would probably be very complicated just because it's a very set program.
0: Exactly. I feel like this would have to be on like a case by case basis. You know, I mean, it happens too that people have deaths in the family and they need to step away from their training. But I would imagine that this isn't something that they deal with on a regular basis. And so it would probably have to be individualized.
1: Yeah, I would think so. And I know for a fact they wouldn't turn that into like a five year (laughs) (laughs) um, perhaps they would let you do an extra year but yeah I think case by case
0: well Jesse was so great hearing all the insight you could provide for us as being a military medical student do you have any other parting words of advice or anything you'd like to share
1: yeah thank you Rasa for interviewing me and having me I would say you know if you're considering this reach out earlier um, I'm happy to help answer any questions. And it's a very unique and cool opportunity if you're passionate about serving the people that serve our country.
0: Thanks, Jesse. And we'll be sure to put your email and any other social media contacts that you have in the show notes so people can reach out to you and you can you know, share more of your your journey and wisdom. Thanks again for being on the show.
1: Great. Thank you, Rasa.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. This wouldn't be possible without the support from our listeners. Please rate, review, and subscribe. We appreciate donations to help fund the production of this podcast. To support us, go to medicuspodcast.com, where you can additionally find show notes, links, and information about our guests. We are at Medicus Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you have any questions, comments, or episode suggestions, please submit them on our website. This podcast is intended for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine. No patient-doctor relation is formed, and the content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Views and opinions are their own and do not represent any organization.